Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Okay, we are back. Going there, girls. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Going There. We have a fun guest today. Yes, we are back, like coming into the new year. So it's been really fun. And so today we are joined with our new friend, Judy. So welcome, Judy. Welcome, Thanks Judy. for coming on today. Thank you so much, Samantha, Christian, for having me. It's so fun to be here. Yes. We always say it's interesting because, you know, we just met you five, 10 minutes ago through a Zoom link, but it's so fun that we, in our job, get to do this and connect and we call you a friend because it's like by the end of these conversations, it does feel like we're friends. And so I love that we get to have these kind of talks. We've gone deep and dived very quickly into deep conversations. So it's really fun. But yeah, why don't you just start off, Judy, so our listeners get to know you a little bit more. We know some about you, but tell us about you, your hobbies, work, family, just, yeah, started with all of those details. Yeah, great. Well, I've been married, oh boy, almost 40 years to my Congrats. sweet husband, Rick. And we have two daughters who are married and both have children. So we have five grandchildren under the age of five, four boys and a little girl right in the middle. Wow. And it's a blast being their grandma. I was thought I was going to be called Mia because I thought that sounded fun. But our oldest grandson, when he was two, couldn't say it. So he deemed me Momo. Aww. So I'm Momo Aww. to the grandkids. <laughs> That's fun. We live in Colorado Springs and I work for Moody Publishers, a Christian publisher based in Chicago, but I work remotely out of my home as an acquisitions editor. So I review proposals for books and then the ones that we think are strong and could be published, I bring to our pub board and work with authors if we contract a book with them. And I've been doing that about eight years and absolutely love it. It's so much fun. Mm Oh, that sounds like a fun job. Yeah, that's like sounds so incredible because of Mike, you get to see all of these people and just their work Mm -hmm. and what God's doing in like their hearts and minds to get information out there. So that's very, very cool. That's awesome. Right now you're currently in Arizona, which we are super jealous about because we are really cold in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. get the heat and yeah. the warmth. Yes. So yeah. I yeah. have a daughter in Missouri and she's headed here in a month or so. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. So tell us about your new book, The Loudest Roar. I like that title. It really packs a punch just in those three words. And so tell us a little bit, how did you come up with that title and what is the book about? Yeah, the title and sub is The Loudest Roar, Living in the Unshakable Victory of Christ. And really, the title came about with my ministry in terms of pouring into women and seeing that a lot of them were feeling like either the world or just the world's expectations of them, or even the enemy that the Bible talks about, that the roar was louder there than of our powerful God. And I remember meeting with a woman who really poured out her heart, and she was considering leaving the faith because of all the things she was going through. And after I prayed with her and hopefully encouraged her, I just prayed to the Lord. I said, your word tells us that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And I asked him, why does he have such a loud roar? Why is this power is so great. And I'll never forget it. It was almost as if the Lord just impressed on my heart through his word that our God is a bigger lion with the loudest roar. He is seated on the throne. He's in control no matter the chaos around us. And he is an ever personal God that we can press into and trust him to protect us. I was just thinking about so many things with this woman coming to you and about to leave the faith and all these things she's going through. And I don't know, maybe you can speak into this, Judy. I don't know if it's Christian and I, as we age, getting a little bit older 
or just the culture we live in. I probably a mix of both, but I feel like right now in our personal lives, friends, people I know of, family members, a lot of people are just wanting to be done with any kind of faith thing because I feel like there's just a lot of really sad, hard things that people I know are walking through. And it, I think that's just life. And there's seasons where it feels like that is more kind of around me. But I just love that it's like, instead of turning away from that, there is another option. It's like, yes, there is going to be hardship. There are going to be these unthinkable challenges that we walk through in life. But the alternative to pushing through and still trusting God in that, it might seem more enticing or it might seem like the best choice in that moment, but it's really only going to lead to more destruction. And so I think as believers, you know, as we can step into friendships and relationships and be that person to help say like, hey, let's change the perspective on this. Yes, the enemy is in this. There are hard things going on, but how can we shift that perspective and remember, like you said, who has already won at the end of the day? And I th- I just think that's really powerful and like really needed right now. Mm-hmm. And how can we be a community that presses in when we are talking to someone about that? Because how easy would it be when we're sitting across the table Someone's telling us how just like frustrated they are and overwhelmed they are and full of anxiety and fear about just like future things or just in their current situation and how easy it would be to say like, oh, yeah, like that does stink and not offer any hope of no like God's like voice is louder. His presence is better that his the relationship with him is more fulfilling. And don't we want to be people in a community that do that? Judy, in your book, you talk through some of the experiences you've had in battling just the enemy's lies and telling you, filling you with fear or anxiety, or you talk about some marriage hardships. Walk us through that, because obviously we've all experienced this personally, but how have you seen, you know, God's roar be louder in your life and experience that yourself? Yes, I really have struggled with anxiety my whole life. I even joke it goes back to probably when I was born. I was worried if I did that right. And so as a little girl, I was anxious. And especially when I became a mom, we started moving to other countries right after I had our first baby because of my husband's job. We went to Brazil, but then we went to Beijing, China when our girls were three and five. And my youngest was sick all the time. And I'll be honest, I was angry at the Lord, at God for moving us there. And I didn't trust him. I was very fearful, like overwhelmed with fear. Like I almost thought I could lose my mind to it because she got very ill and the meds weren't kicking in. I was worried it could be meningitis. And there was one night I was just undone. And I'll never forget it. I just cried out to God. I was honest with him. You know, I've known Jesus since I was a little girl. I've known he's loved me and died for me and and is so my best friend growing up. But in my 20s, when I was stuck in Beijing with a sick baby, I was almost ready to turn from him. I didn't think he was faithful or good. And in the middle of one night when I was so worried about her, I just cried out and I was very honest with him. And I asked him to change my heart and I asked him to protect her, but it was really, I realized I needed to surrender those fears to my Lord Jesus, or I was going to lose my mind. And he was so faithful that night. There was a peace that came over me, not because her circumstances changed, but there's a verse in Philippians 4 that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about 
about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, the peace of God, which goes beyond your human understanding, will guard your heart and your minds as you trust in Christ Jesus. And so I did that that night. There was a surrender and just a sense of I've got to trust him. And thankfully, I was able to get her the med she needed and she made it through that scary time. And she's now a mom of two. But that night was a turning point for me. And it was just something of realizing the God of the Bible is real and he's right there in the midst of your sorrow or your fears with you. Mm -hmm. Something I've been thinking about that for some of our listeners, I know I don't often think through this, so maybe this would be good to point out. It's really common as we're talking about our faith to acknowledge that God is working in our lives. But kind of going back, we're talking about the enemy. And for some people, maybe that's a new thought to you that, you know, God is working and we know at the end of the day, he wins this battle, but that the enemy is really real. And I think I grew up in a church that spoke a lot to that, maybe more so now that's not as talked about. And I think there is an importance to acknowledging that and reminding ourselves every day that there is an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And when we're walking through things, the lies that we are believing, just the circumstances, yes, it's just this always evolving, crazy balance of, yes, God is allowing me to walk through whatever this is. Yes, he could take this cancer away. Yes, he could heal my marriage that feels like there's no hope. He could do all of those things. So there's this, there's him allowing this to happen, but there's also an enemy who wants us to turn from him and is doing everything possible to get us there. And I just think that's worth saying that if you've never learned about that or really thought about that, I think it's important to us seeing also how powerful God is, is to also acknowledge that there is an enemy that's powerful as well, battling for our affection and for our minds and our hearts. And so I just wanted to say that in case maybe that's a newer concept to some people, because I easily forget it through my day to day. So, Well, and I loved what you said at the beginning of our conversation, Judy, you talked about just the distractions of, yeah, like the enemy's roar is loud, but like God's roar is louder. And so how do you encourage people? You know, we're all sitting here. I mean, I can tell you myself personally, I'm distracted every day to be just, you know, flashy eyed. And I'm just like so engulfed in things of the world. Like I'm engulfed in achieving something or buying something or I mean, you could say this about a billion things, loving my kids over more than God. I mean, you could say it over so many things that are even good. But so how do we as people, if we say, no, like, we believe that God's roar is louder. We believe that He is ultimate. I want nothing more than my like affections and attention to be on Him. But how do we do that? Like, what does that look like day in and day out in where the enemy is just distracting us in so many spots? Yeah, he wants to distract you. That even happened to me when I was heading up a ministry at our church, a ministry reaching women, doing Bible studies, even teaching on prayer and intimacy with the Lord. But it was elusive for me. I was so busy serving him that I wasn't really with him. And I remember just crying out to him one morning early. And I just said, I know there's more of you. And I don't even feel close to you. Your word has become more like a textbook that I'm teaching. I just poured out my heart and I asked him, I said, will you fully 
recapture my heart, no matter what it takes. Take me deeper with you. And our God is so faithful in answering that if our heart just cries out to him. And then I got some mentors and friends to support me, even for accountability and who are praying for me. I'm not saying I was ready to leave the faith, but I knew I had really almost left my first love, which was Jesus. And so I began to just dwell in his word as just for comfort and encouragement. And I encourage those who are struggling to just go to the Psalms. They are amazing. You can learn about just pouring out your heart to God and being honest with him. You know, the Psalmist David often wrestled with God. There's one that says, how long, Lord, is this going to keep happening to me? And it really opened up the truth that our Lord Jesus is with us and he cares about us. He's ever aware of us. We're told in Romans that he intercedes for us. He prays for us. And that seems like such a mystery, but we're told that in Romans 8. And so I think just crying out to him. I have a friend who lost her three-year-old son to strep throat, and she was totally going to leave the Lord. And a friend told her, go to John, just look at Jesus, read the book of John, the gospel of John in your Bible, and look how Jesus healed and cared for people and loved people. And she did that, and God brought her back to him. And so I just think that is probably a really good place to start, to cry out to him, and then to just make a commitment, even if you just read a psalm a day and a chapter of John a day and see what God will do. I think he will be faithful in that. Mm. I love what you just said there, because going back, you've now said it twice, that when we are able to just share a really raw, real, hard emotion, again, it's like we say this all the time, but like we act like we have to come to God and we have to come into a relationship with him or come into a conversation and be put together and be these people who have it all together or are having no doubts. But right there, like you talk about that example of you and your daughter in China. And now, you know, like you speaking with this friend, it's like, no, both times we can say the really raw thing of like, Lord, like, I'm so fearful right now that it's really hard for me to get out of that. Like, I am fearing, but like, I know you are like going to take care of us, but like, I'm fearful. And I think it's just so interesting of like, I mean, we have someone who's entering in and wanting a relationship with us like all the time, if it's good, bad, ugly, hard, and you're saying, no, like capture my heart, like I need that. And I just love that out of like vulnerability and humility, you're able to just say the hard thing. And because like, don't we all love a friend that we can just say the hard thing and it's met with grace and love. And we have a God who does that perfectly. We're like, we can do that with humans here on earth and they don't always do that perfectly. And so I just love that. And yeah, seeing that parallel in both of your things that you've been talking about. Yeah. And it's, again, reiterating with your friend, you know, it's, I'm sure for her, I mean, for most of our listeners that have kids, that would be like the number one biggest fear is losing a child. And so it's like, in that, it's not like she opened her Bible in that day. And she's like, Oh, I spent time with God and everything in my life is fine now. It's like he can handle our grief. He can handle that sorrow. He already knows what our hearts are feeling. And so to like meet him in that is just, I don't know. I've walked through seasons of grief where it's like, I don't even really want to be opening my Bible, but there's something about it that I know that's where I'm going to get the most peace, even in the chaos of whatever's going on in my world outside of that that moment. And so that's really good to remember as well. But I wanted to ask, so I think in our culture specifically, a lot of people can tend to blame any bad thing on the enemy. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very important to have balance when we talk about the enemy. God's word makes it very clear. He is a formidable foe. We see him in Genesis and we see him all the way in Revelation. He's a fallen angel. He has a lot of power. 
but he is a defeated foe because of Jesus's death and resurrection. What Jesus accomplished through his resurrection is he pretty much overcame the enemy. The enemy still has power and will until the end of time when he's finally cast into the lake of fire. I don't fully understand what that is, but we know his power is going to end, but he is on a rampage in many ways. I think he's coming at many Christians and their marriages and parenting and all of it. But it's also important to know when you're going through difficult things that it's not all from the enemy. There's a lot of false teaching out there, even about health issues that is demonic. And you have to be so careful and balanced because God can use our trials and suffering to draw us closer to his heart. And there, during that season in my life, our, for, I think it was about 20 years ago now, our marriage was just really struggling. And our daughter was in middle school and battling a life threatening illness. And I was undone and I didn't know what to do. And I was started getting counseling. And I had a Christian counselor tell me, Judy, I don't think anyone has taught you or spoken to you that our Lord Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief when he walked this groaning earth. We hear about that in Isaiah. It's a prophecy of Jesus. And then we see in the gospels that he wept at a friend's grave, that he wept over the city of Jerusalem. And I was told by the counselor that our Lord Jesus is aware of what you're going through and you can wrestle with him and weep with him in prayer. And I started to do that mostly through my journaling and it completely transformed my walk with Jesus. I sensed him weeping with me. I got to share this verse from Romans 8 that says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for what as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I shared earlier that Jesus sits at the right hand of throne of God, interceding in prayer for us. And here we're told the Spirit groans when we don't have words to pray. And I'm assuming most listening have been there. Maybe they're there right now. I mean, people are going through such hard things, unspeakable sorrow. And to think that God is interceding seating and praying for us and even groaning for us in prayer should take our breath away. And we're promised that in scripture. And that just shows me what a loving and compassionate God we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For the last four years, Christian and I, along with now the last two years, some of our listeners have done Bible in the Year, Tara Lee Cobble's kind of plan through the Bible app. And if you're caught up this week, I mean, we're fresh in, what is it, the sixth? So we're like right into it, but we've kind of jumped from Genesis and now we're, the last few days we've been in Job. And Job has always been one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Just if you've gone through hard suffering, it's just, it provides so much comfort to see this this man who had all of these things, this family and possessions and a group of friends. And I love watching him kind of battle through these ups and downs and his own emotions of feeling this anger. But he was always just so genuinely honest with God about how he was feeling. And I just feel, I was listening to it actually yesterday as I was kind of walking into a harder day of something going on in my life. And I just was like weeping at just, wow, like God is giving us the story of Job to remind us that he can handle these days that I'm feeling down. It doesn't mean I need to distance myself or hide like we've been saying through this entire episode. He wants to enter into that with us. And I just think, like you said, in other parts of scripture, we see that God is a God who can handle all of this. He already knew what Job was facing. And so even when Job's friends wanted him to turn from God, and even when they weren't providing great advice, and even when Job was, I kind of pictured it as like, you know, when you're going through a hardship and you have some days where you're like, okay, I got it. You know, I'm going to be okay. This is going to work out. Lord, I trust in you. And then like 
sometimes for me, it's like a few hours later, I'm like, this is not okay. I'm so angry at God. My world feels like it's falling apart. We get to see kind of that up and down with Job. And it's just like really reassuring. I don't know. I love that. Well, I was going to bring that up too, because I'm thinking, obviously, we're reading that now. But I was just thinking through all of the times that Job, even as his friends give him bad advice, or even as he wrestles with, you know, just like questioning God and saying like, why are you doing this to me? He never falters because he knows the character of God. And one thing I love about that Bible study, you know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. We want people reading the Bible for themselves so that you get to understand and learn the character of God. Because it doesn't mean that following Jesus, you're going to have an easy life. It doesn't mean that you're not going to enter into hardships or have We're actually trials. told you are you going are. to have hardships. Yeah. Yeah. And so, right. like, so we have <laughs> right. to be people who actually like lean into that and say like, this is not concerning me because I know the character of my God, that there are years and years and years that a foundation of creation built on his character. And so I know I can trust that. I know that I can lean into that faithfulness and this is going to be hard. This may be terrible, but I can lean into knowing that he is who he is and he, I'm promised that. And so it's just like incredible to me. It gives me chills every time. Love the story of Job. It's an encouraging yeah. one if you've never read it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But talk to us. You mentioned a little bit about prayer and using prayer as a tool to just fight the enemy's lies that we may be believing in our lives. So talk to us about that. How would you encourage that person who really doesn't know where to start with prayer and their life of prayer? Yeah, I would encourage them to get my book. The whole last chapter focuses on prayer. You know, prayer is so elusive, I think, for all of us. I, as I said, used to teach on prayer, was passionate about it while I wasn't even praying very much because I was so busy in ministry or distracted. And so I have a lot of tools in the book. I really encourage getting a journal, a prayer journal, and just do with that what you'd like. But I, for me, when especially during those really deep sorrows, I started to just rewrite some Psalms that were encouraging me, or I'd turn a Psalm into a prayer and would write that out in my journal. I also would just cry out to the Lord in my prayer journal. And I have all different ways to just cry out to the Lord to awaken awe and wonder for prayer. I think some people feel like it's a duty, like, oh, I need to pray more. And there's a lot of guilt around it, or they don't think it really works, or they don't understand that it's really just being with Jesus every day. And I love that he's given us that privilege. I just recently studied the passage when Jesus was on the cross. And right when he was dying, it says when he had his last breath, a curtain in the temple that represented separation from God, only the high priest could go through that curtain into the holiest place once a year, and one priest. And that curtain was torn from top to bottom. When And I feel like our God was saying, you have full Jesus has done for you through his death. And that includes prayer, the gift of prayer that we can run to him. We're told in Hebrews that the throne of prayer, the throne of grace through prayer is full of grace and mercy. So no matter what you've done, if you're in the midst of deep sin right now or sorrows, you can run to him and be honest with him. And we have full access to him. And I just hope and pray that those listening will just even cry out to the Lord. Will you, will you just revive my heart for prayer? Will you shame and help me to love this privilege to be able to pray with you? I want to share, and since you say you've taught on prayer, maybe you can answer this. This is just a personal question. Something I battle in understanding the importance of prayer and wanting to actively participate in prayer, and I've kind of worked through and asked this and have my own answers, but I'm just curious. I find it hard sometimes to pray because in my heart, I think, well, I already know that God knows the outcome. 
So I kind of battle with this, like, am I praying to ask for this certain thing? Will that change the outcome if he already knows what it's going to be? And I already know the answer to my own question in a lot of ways. It's like, it's obedience. It's meeting with him. It's being humble enough to bring these things to God. But do you hear that be a challenge for people often of like, well, I don't really feel like my prayers are doing anything if he already controls the outcome. What would you say to that? Or how do we, I know maybe our brains just won't fully be able to wrap around that, but what would you say? Well, he tells us to come to him. We're told, especially if you deal with anxiety, cast all your anxiety onto him and he'll care for you. And I think the best way to do that is through prayer, just to pour out your heart. He already knows what you're facing and how you're feeling. But I I don't know for you, but for me, when I pray about a fearful thing, let's say I'm worried about a grandchild who might have RSV, which just happened. I just was overcome with fear for him. But praying for him, praying for protection over him, praying for good doctors to take care of him, praying for my daughter not to be overcome with fear, just calmed my anxious heart. But I think it's important to look at prayer not as just something where we're asking God for things. For me, what awakened my heart for prayer was seeing how it's the intimacy with him, just sitting with him, pouring out your heart to him, and even worshiping him in prayer. I give ideas for how to do that in my book. And one way is to read a psalm, just to worship him in the morning or as you go to sleep can calm your anxious heart. I recommend Psalm 145, which is this this powerful psalm that David wrote. It's like a work of art. And so you're just lifting up his name and you're worshiping him. So having that where you're worshiping him, where you're talking to him and not just asking him for things, but he wants us to come to him with our burdens, our sorrows, our fears, our questions, our requests, and then trusting him with the outcome. So it's really an intimacy thing about being with him and learning to trust him and just talk to him every day. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that part of prayer, like all of these things are working together when you know God's word. I know a lot of times I'm just praying scripture over and over. If I feel like I don't have anything to say or know what to say, I'm praying scripture. And so it's like, you have to know God's word. And yeah, I love how all of these things that he gives us to learn more about him and grow closer to him, we have access to them. And the more that we do them all together, it kind of like our prayer life is built up by spending time reading his word and all of the things just help us grow in our intimacy. So I love that answer. Yeah, in a silly way, it reminds me back, like, you know, when you're learning like study tools in high school and college, like how is the best Mm -hmm. way to study? And I remember Mm -hmm. people being like, you know, just like write the information down because the more you see it, the more you write it, the more you're physically involved with your like body and your mind, it will help you like take in the information. I'm like writing all my notes out. And it literally, it makes me think of that as you're like, write a psalm out. And I'm like, I'm thinking about myself on some of the days that I'm like, I don't really know if I believe this. Like, I don't know if I can truly say like, yeah, I believe God that you are this and this and this. And when I, we a while ago took a class and we like memorized Psalm 139. And to this day, it's like one of the most powerful ones to me because it's so ingrained in my mind, the number of times I had to write it out. And I'm like, so do that. Like, even if you can't believe it for yourself that day, take time just to write it. Because the more you write that, the more you actually have to like engrave the words somewhere, it will get imprinted on your heart and mind. And like, God will use that to be powerful in you and like allow you to start believing that. And I just think it's really cool. Like it sounds so dumb, but find ways to intersect with what he is doing in all of the ways that we have access to him, which is really, really cool. 
Yeah, I love that you mentioned Psalm 139 because I was reading that when I was pregnant with our first daughter. We knew we were moving to Brazil right after she was born, and I was so fearful moving to another country as a new mom. And I was reading and praying over that psalm so much, I ended up memorizing it really without trying. And I would quote it even after we got to Brazil and when she was sick and all of that. And now I'm doing it again with grandkids, and I love it. And I even have a prayer in my book. In the back of the book, I have a a prayer I wrote based on Psalm 139, because that's how passionate I am about learning to pray scripture. And then I also have a resource through my website that's called The Power of Praying Scripture. So if listeners want to subscribe to judydunnigan.com, they can download that. And there's five different prayers on different topics. So I love that. It really works. And it also keeps the enemy at bay because he hates the word and he doesn't want us to pray. And um, I think it's especially helpful if you deal with anxiety and a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. As I've grown in my own prayer life, you know, I've always had these thoughts back and forth. But as I've grown in that, I'm able to see that it's kind of just this ongoing conversation with God throughout my day. And something I think is so valid that we don't want to give much credit to is like the more that we engage in something, the more natural that becomes. And it becomes just more of a habit. We know that with more tangible things like drinking water, exercising. But sometimes we don't want to apply that to these disciplines that God gives us. And sometimes they're disciplines for that reason. It's because it's not a natural inclination during certain seasons to want to wake up and read your Bible or talk to God. But the more I do it, you know, as I'm washing bottles for my baby right now, just praying like, Lord, thank you for this day. And then I'm walking over and I thank you for the gift of me being able to stay home and care for my kids. And, you know, just these things that just come to your mind as you're folding laundry or as you're in a work conversation, in a work meeting, or all these things that we can just bring God into. And it doesn't have to be this formal, like bow my head, close my eyes, and pray for 10 minutes straight. That has been just really changing in my life of just saying, okay, how can I weave God into every part of my day in just small conversations with Him? And so I love how we can just sometimes be enlightened to different ways that people do things. And it helps us kind of say like, oh, it doesn't need to be so serious sometimes. Sometimes maybe it does look like on your knees praying like that. But I don't know. I like to think of it as just like chatting with God throughout my day. So mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. It's so true. Yeah. I love it. I would encourage yeah. everyone listening. I looked at your scripture resource on your website a bit and it was amazing. And both of us got super excited because we love scripture. We love encouraging people to get in God's word for yourself. And so I encourage you, we'll make sure to put your information on like our show notes on the page. But I'm excited to dig into your book too, because don't we all need just a reminder of how God's roar is louder and his word is true. And we can cling to that over all of the distractions that we have in this world. So thank you, Judy, for coming on today. Where can everyone find your book too? Well, Amazon, it's there, The Lattice Drawer, or at moodypublishers.com and really anywhere that books are sold, you should be able to find it. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure everyone has, yeah, Yeah. we'll make sure everyone has access to all that you put out. And so thank you again, just for your wisdom. And thanks for being faithful to what God's called you to in writing this. So we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.